0: What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. This is Overcoming the Odds Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Josh Coyne. Between this episode and last episode, I had a 40th birthday. Happy birthday, me. Feels about the same as it did being 39, also feels about the same as it did being 30. Just happy to be alive, happy to be here. So, happy birthday, me. Because it was my birthday, I dug out this piece of paper I've had for 30 years. My grandfather gave me this piece of paper. It's a Series EE Bond like a bank bond, right? So I looked it up to see what it was worth. The bonds mature in 30 years. So it's been 30 years. This was issued August of 1991. 30 years later, this $50 bond that he gave me is now worth $104.68. Now, I appreciate the fact that he gave me this bond. I've been holding on to this thing for 30 years. But what is really just kind of screwed up is to give a bond to someone who has, at that time, the life expectancy was like, you know, whatever, not much past 10 years old. And at that, that point, I was 10 years old. My grandfather gave me a $50 series EE that would mature when I'm 40 years old. Now, I'm 40. I made it. I'm here. We did it. But it's kind of a tone-deaf gift, you know what I mean? Like just give the kid the 50 bucks that he can use then. Like that would have been would have made more sense to me. Like, yeah, cool. Thanks for the thing that I had to hold on to and hopefully find 30 years later give the kid a gift cool that's nice maybe not something that's gonna take 30 years to actually play with you know make a 10 year old happy instead of a 40 year old kind of sour about it anyway so this episode is episode six as i said and in this episode i talked to a friend of mine that i met snowboarding in the early 2000s he and i worked at the same resort in california we are both instructors snowboard instructors obviously and um He's the first and only person I've ever met who also has cystic fibrosis. So another CF guy who had a very different path than I.
1: When I was 26, my, my lung function really started to go downhill. Um, and I'd get sick here and there. Like I get my pneumonias, but I learned how to treat myself with antibiotics at, at my desk. You know, I'd have an IV sitting at my desk. And while I was working, I actually got a call for a transplant. Well, I woke up in the morning and I've got a, a tube down my my throat and the nurse looks at me and she she goes, you didn't get the transplant. The lungs were damaged. They were too bruised. They didn't want to transplant them into you because you'd really struggle. You might not make it. It took 18 months for the next transplant. I think my lung function was down to like 13%. I couldn't even really take care of myself anymore. It was like, I, If I took a shower, it felt like I was drowning.
0: In this episode, Jason and I talk about thinking positively, snowboarding, living life to the fullest, and a whole lot more coming up after the break. Enjoy this episode with my friend Jason Shields. This podcast is brought to you by Gaming VPN. If you don't have a VPN, you should definitely download gaming VPN for well gaming and streaming. Stay secure online all the time. It's only available on iOS. Go to gamingvpn.tech. I'm Josh Coyne, and this is Overcoming the Odds Podcast. Can you hear me now? Yes, there you are. What's going on, man?
1: Not much, dude.
0: How are you? You look good. So do you, man. Thanks. Thanks you know, living the dream, I guess, right? Yeah. So thanks for doing this. Um, Yeah. So to give you like a quick little update or really just some more background. um, So I figured, you know, I've made it this far in life. It's time to help some other people out. And if my story could help other people out, then I want to hear from other people who have equally amazing stories or more amazing stories to help other people out as well. Right. And uh, even before you messaged me on Facebook, I was like, I definitely want to want to talk to you, but I wasn't wasn't sure if you were up for it yourself, you know. So I was glad to hear that you, a, were and b, you know, have no problem talking talking about your story because it's not too unsimilar to mine, but um, definitely a little bit more rough. So
1: right? <laughs>
0: my wife's going to interview me so that way I can tell my story as well, and then you know, obviously you you are the next the next victim, if you will. All right. Good. So at some point I want to talk about how I met you, you know, maybe we just start there and then we can go from your story prior and since. All
1: right. Yeah, no, that's, that's good.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, I have never met up until you, I never met anyone else with CF, right? Zero people. Um, And I remember I was in Big Bear with you, you were talking about whatever and spit up some, some good old green goop. Right. And I was like, that's very familiar to me. I know exactly what that's about. And I remember saying to you like, man, you gotta get that checked out. Just assuming that you're just a regular dude. Right. And like, you gotta get that looked at man. And you're like, no, no, I'm good. I I haven't had it checked out. I was like, okay, great. And then kind of like ignored it. And then a couple of days later, same thing. And I was like, man, you gotta, you gotta get that looked at, you know, like just figuring you're just a, a guy who's got like some sort of lung infection and you're just ignoring it, you know? Um, because you know, up to that point I've, I've dealt with that too, you know? And like, Spitting green stuff out—you don't see every day, unless it's me or you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, some somewhere along the line, somebody had told me. Maybe I overheard it in the locker room or something. That you had CF too, and it was like, oh, that explains a lot. And I also at that point was like, well, now we can't really hang out that often. So great, you know. So, so it was just a weird, a weird experience for me, since like I said, you're a couple years older than me. I never met any else, met anybody else with CF it was also inspiring to me to have like another person who has a similar background doing the same thing that they want to do with their life. You know, that's snowboard in altitude and have fun, you know, and that was pretty cool from my standpoint of like, this dude's doing it. And now there's no reason I can't do it also. So, and that was, I think my first year up there, maybe my second year, but either way I was new. I will, with that, I will leave you to whatever you want to discuss and and go from there.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll count Come back to you on on how we met or how we discovered each other had cystic fibrosis. Um, you, I, I remember asking um, our supervisor at the time, I think it was Nikki, and I said, "Hey, what happened to Josh?" It's like, "Yeah, he got a stomach ache and he flew back to Pennsylvania." I said, "What the hell? Why, why are you flying back to Pennsylvania with a, a stomach ache?" And to me, I instantly thought, "I'm like, there's a good chance that this guy." you know, might have cystic fibrosis. I just, because of the stomach issues mm-hmm. came back, I think we confronted each other. And that's when it was like, ah, you do have cystic fibrosis. And that you were the same thing because you had heard somewhere else. So that was, and you were my first person that I ever met in person that had cystic fibrosis
0: as well. Yeah. Wild. Totally wild. The odds of me moving from here to there on the mountain. And then you also living, you know, what, I guess you were like in Riverside, I guess Is that where you lived yeah. before. Yeah. In Riverside. And then being on the mountain and then working us working at the same place, the same year, like it's just it's ridiculous. There's no, that's a very slim chance. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a blockage in my, my intestine and it was a hell of a blockage. So thankfully not many have happened since then, but that sucks. That's one of the worst feelings. And that's a terrible feeling.
1: I've been hospitalized just a couple times for that. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It's no fun at all. You're a couple years older than me. I think like what? 76, maybe you were born? Yeah, 76. 76. Okay. So I was born in 81. So that gives me five years under you. And I mean, that, those five years are a huge difference in, in CF, right? Like in 1976, I mean, the chances of survival were like none really, you know, like super, super low. I mean, I know in the eighties, it was like, of people born with CF didn't live to see 10, you know? And like, that's a hell of a statistic. And here we are in our forties, almost, you know, like I'm almost 40 and you are 45 at this point. So, um, and we're still here and we're still kicking ass and taking names. So, uh, what was it like for you growing up? You know, like, what's that, what was that like?
1: So how, how it was when I grew up, my, when they tested me at birth, for cystic fibrosis because my parents had a son that was born eight years before me that had passed away at the two of cystic fibrosis so they knew when they had children to, to test at birth so my mom was in the hospital and she had run into somebody in the hospital this is the story i get the person that she met was somebody in their 30s that had cystic fibrosis and he told my mom that you know his parents basically sheltered him he didn't get to do anything they said so you know whatever this guy wants to do let him do it you know his his body will tell him if it's too much so when you know as i got older you know if i played little league and i ran cross country like you know i was my my lung function even at 12 years old wasn't the same as another 12 year old's lung function but i was still winning races so, you know, I, and I competed and then I, in high school, I played baseball throughout high school and then, you know, I discovered snowboarding and well, I was a skater, so I discovered snowboarding and then that was my new love. And, but nothing, I never let cystic fibrosis hold me back. Like I was, I was always skinny and I coughed in class, but other than that, I, I tried to be, a, you know, the same as everybody else. And not use it as a crutch,
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that that really has helped you and myself, because I have a very similar uh, you know upbringing, get us to where we are, right? Because like if we use it as a crutch, then we would have been handicapped by that as as children. And then for a future, it would have it would have crushed us for our future, right? Like we wouldn't have been able to do things we want to do because mentally we wouldn't be able to do it, you know, like we would say, if I'm just saying if our parents had had told us oh you're you're fragile, you can't go outside, you can't go breathe the air, you can't you know play with other kids or whatever you want to do you can't snowboard in the mountains, you know what would we have done then right sit at home and probably just get worse and worse lung function instead of like actually doing something with our 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 body and moving our lungs and and being able to breathe and exercise and build our muscles to help that you know, secretions come out in the future. Um, you know, good for your, for your for your moms to be like, yeah, he can do whatever he wants at this point. You know, like let him rip, do it. Southern California is not really the place to snowboard, but it, it is and it isn't. Right,
1: right. Yeah, not 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 the biggest mountains in the world. And it was funny as um, I think we were in high school and it was spring break. And, and you know, I hung out a senior high school, hung out with a bunch of skaters and uh, mountain high didn't, didn't require you to have a credit card to run a snowboard. You could just go up and give them your your driver's license and pay your cash and and they'd give you a board. And if they wouldn't have done that, I probably would have never snowboarded. Or I wouldn't have jumped in as I did because I didn't have a credit card until I was like 20 years old.
0: Right. So. Right. Not many kids do. Well, they didn't, at least now I don't know, but right. <laughs> then who knows? Yeah. So then let me ask you this question too, because like, we'll come back to this, but at this point, like, are you, are you still teaching snowboarding or are you just doing it for fun?
1: I, I took this season off because of COVID. Sure. That makes sense. Um, but I did, I, up until last season, I, I've reduced my teaching to just holidays because I have my own money and I can go on trips and have a good time, but, um, yeah, I enjoy teaching. So I, I taught, um, two of my friends' kids this, this winter just to, you know. And I had been hospitalized in September and my lung function really took a, took a crap and I was worried. So um, if I was going to ever be able to teach and I got stronger and stronger um, as the months went by and my lung function is not what it was right after transplant, but it's good enough to get altitude and, and uh, you know, be active. So it, I think I, I may go back next year, just holiday again and we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was it was tough this year with COVID to do anything for us specifically. You know, like I, ton of, tons of friends who are just normal able-bodied people were like just doing things together, which I thought was stupid anyway. But, you know, then again, I, I I can't put myself in that position and you can't put yourself in that position. You know, I went to Vermont a handful of times on my own and rented a place by myself. And my wife is not into snowboarding or snow or cold or anything. So it was a nice little like Josh alone time vacation. And and had COVID not have happened, I wouldn't have done that. I would have gone on one trip out West. That's it. But because I wasn't getting on an airplane and I couldn't snow with my friends on the East coast, like in the local mountains, it was kind of just a thing I needed to do for myself, right? Just go up North, spend a week there every month since December. So it was like January, February, March. Yeah. Like four, four weeks, snowboarding alone. It was great. <laughs> nice. I loved it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I got some trips in, you know, um, me, I live with my girlfriend and uh, she works from home. She's a school teacher. So we basically for the last year, we've, we've avoided friends, you know, we stayed, stayed away. Um, now we do go, we've been cycling on Sundays since the summer. Um, and you know, we, I have a friend, he actually got COVID while, while we were cycling um so he fell off for like a month but when we we would see each other we kept our distance we wore masks so it wasn't I wasn't putting myself in the danger it's just like like when you go to the ski resort you know you've got your mask on when you're at the base area if you happen to they seat you on a chair a four-seater chair you sit on the other end and you keep your mask on yeah.
0: so there yeah. were
1: ways to to still kind of go into to the public and protect yourself but but yeah, if it wasn't necessary, I stayed away. But I went up to Tahoe for the first time in life. But after I got my first vaccine, and so you know, it was two weeks after I got my first one, and so I didn't really let my guard down. But you know, we stayed in a hotel, and you know that was that was totally different. And then each month, it, you know, I got my second dose, and it's not that I exposed myself to anybody, but I felt a little bit more comfortable. Exactly. And just last weekend, I was I I went up to Tahoe last weekend, and I have a buddy up there, and I on my way up there, he calls me, and says I have hundred and two temperature. I'm like, oh my goodness. So instead of staying with him, um, and it ended up he did get COVID. Instead of staying with him, I stopped at the Walmart, bought a sleeping bag, and I slept in my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the way to do it, I guess. Right? I, wasn't, I
1: wasn't wasting my trip.
0: <laughs> yeah, hell no. Definitely not. Uh, well, that's that's pretty awesome though. So, I mean, it sucks for him, but at least you still got it in. Yeah. So, you had mentioned just briefly about your most recent transplant, right? So what what was that? Give me more details about that and how it went and where you are now too. All
1: right. So the transplant, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up to 11 years this April, the April 22nd. When I was 26, so I was about six years prior to me getting transplanted, my, my lung function really started to go downhill. Um, you know, I definitely couldn't be at, at altitude. I couldn't, you know, I could, I could just barely walk around. So I, I, had, I felt that I had enough life in me that I could, I went back to school. I mean, I was working on my um, bachelor's degree. I, um, I got a full-time job you know, in an office so I can, you know, I could sit and and I'd get sick here and there. Like I get my pneumonias, but I learned how to treat myself with antibiotics at, at my desk. You know, I'd have an IV sit at my desk and everybody I worked with, you know, that was became common to, to them, you know, and I'd have coughing fits. And, you know, the first time you have a coughing fit, they, it, you know, come running over. Are you okay? I'm like, well, unless I'm laying on the ground, I'll be all right. You know, like... <laughs> So, but um, yeah, I, I worked and I went to school Mm -hmm. and while I was working, they told me, Hey, um, one of the doctors I met with, um, he said, have you ever considered transplant? And I'm like, no, he's like, well, you should, you know, maybe you should go down to San Diego and visit the transplant team down there and see what they have to say. So I said, yeah, sure. So I think, Probably about six months after that, that meeting, I started going down to San Diego and they did a bunch of assessments on me to see where I was. And they kind of broke it down to me. It's like, it's not really, they don't give you transplants based on how long you've waited on a list. It's more like, do you need it now or not? So they said, it could be a while because your numbers are still too high. I'm like, okay, so I would just go down there and you know go check in. But I started getting sicker. And, um, instead of going to my doctor, I, I lived, you know, 90 miles outside of San Diego. Instead of going to my local doctor, I was, I started going down there for my hospitalizations because just the care was better. It was a cystic fibrosis center. And so they were, you know, trying to just keep my weight up and keep me healthy enough. And about 18 months before I got my first, my transplant, I actually got a call for a transplant. So you know, it's six o'clock at, at, at night. I'm living with a buddy. I get the call. I call my parents. I'm like, hey, I just got the call. We're heading to San Diego. I call my best friend. I say, hey, Josh, we're, go- we're going down to San Diego. Um, it's, it's, go- it's going on. So he goes, all right. So they his, him and his wife lived in Orange County. I lived in Riverside. My parents lived in Hemet. We Three separate cars all head down to San Diego. I'm on the phone with Josh. Probably the most of the trip down there crying my eyes out because, you know, it's scary. You don't know if you're going to live like, you know, people died just from the the surgery. So that was pretty traumatic in in itself. So saying goodbye, I get down to the hospital there. Everybody's there. Say goodbye to my parents. Say goodbye to Josh and his wife. And they take me back. And, you know, they they hook me up to all these IVs and stuff and take me into the operating room and they put me out. Well, I woke up in the morning and I've got a, a tube down my, my throat, <clears> throat and the nurse looks at me and she, she goes, you didn't get the transplant. And like, I have this thing in my mouth. So I'm like, oh man, that, you know, whatever. And so finally they come, like, I'm, I'm strong enough for them to pull it out so I can breathe on my own. Then she goes, well, the, the lungs were damaged. They were too bruised. They didn't want to transplant them into you because in." you'd really struggle. You might not make it. So I'm like, okay, well, that's good. You know, at least, at least they didn't, they didn't kill me. <laughs> so
0: Yeah. At least they didn't force it, you know, and like, right. Just say, Hey, well, he'll probably be okay. You know, at least the doctor knew enough to be like, no, this isn't happening.
1: So I called that my dry run. You know, I got the, the whole, I got the emotional experience. I've got, you know, what it feels like to wake up after transplant except for I just didn't get the, get the lung. So I wasn't defeated by that, but, Um, so I just said, okay, well it's coming, you know, wait for the next set. And I really started to get sick. It took 18 months for the next transplant or next call. And I was, I was getting worse and worse. And, um, I think my lung function was down to like 13%. Jeez. And (laughs) my weight was like 98 pounds. And finally I was at my parents' house and I got the call. So, Cause I, I couldn't, I couldn't even really take care of myself anymore. It was like, I, if I took a shower, it felt like I was drowning. So I got the call. We went down there. It was midnight. They said, or it was eight o'clock at night. And they go, we're going to transplant you at midnight. I'm like, okay. So they get me all ready again, say goodbye again. And, um, they take me back and I woke up in the morning, same thing. I have got the tubes down my, my throat and like, I knew something was different. Even with the, um, the ventilator you know, tube down my throat, I could breathe. I felt that I could breathe better right at that second than you know midnight the night before. My doctor, my um, transplant doctor, he's not the actual surgeon, but the, my doctor comes in and he goes, squeeze my, squeeze my hand. And I remember squeezing his hand. He goes, ah, not strong enough. I'm gonna come back in a couple hours, trying to breathe. So I remember, like you know, I was tired from the medication, but I just kept breathing over top of the um, the ventilator. So he came back in, and I squeezed. He goes, "Okay, you're good." So then they they pulled pulled it out, and I took my first breath, and that was that was cool. Like you know, I was worn out, but it didn't matter. Like I knew I'm like, all right, this is gonna work out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for people that don't that don't live with this. And just have, you know, normal, healthy lungs. Or even if they've been smoking their entire life, they still have a higher lung function than a lot of CF patients. A lot of people just don't know like how difficult it is to breathe and how amazing it does feel when you can breathe, you know, (laughs) because like they take it for granted. Everybody takes it for granted. It's, 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 it's second nature. You know, it's like thinking you just do it right. But when you cannot physically breathe, and then you are given the ability to breathe at a future date better than you have Ever remember breathing? It's it's an amazing thing. It's literally like like you were drowning, and then now you're on the shore. You know, it's it's a crazy feeling. Like I have I have no way of expressing how unique of a feeling that is to finally be able to take deep breaths and not have to cough or wheeze or have something come up or you know have to sit down when you go up a flight of stairs. Like it's it's a world of difference that people just take for granted until it happens. So that was 11 years ago, you said? Yeah, 11 years ago. Okay. So and you, your lung function was at 13%. What was it the first time you went in 18 months prior? Do you remember when they said you were too healthy?
1: It was, oh, when it was too healthy, I was in the, like low 30s.
0: Okay. Which is still amazing. Like, it's amazing yeah. that that's still too healthy, like 30%. Right. is.
1: Well, and how my doctor put it, he said, look, when you get a transplant, one, there's, there's huge risk, rejection, you know, um, but you're giving up one disease for another disease. And that's how he put it. He said, you know, you're going to get rid of cystic fibrosis in your lungs, but you're you're probably going to get diabetes. You're going to have high blood pressure. You're going to have all, and I have all this stuff. I take, you know, 40 pills a day to fight everything else that's going on. And because I'm immunosuppressed now, and I love the sun, now I've been battling skin cancers just you know, nonstop for the last 10 years. It's like, I go in monthly now because I've got so many, they're trying to, you know, get them under control, but they just keep popping up.
0: And I guess, you know, like Southern California, plus desert, plus years of non-sunscreen, you know, and and then plus being on antibiotics, which makes you photosensitive equals skin cancer. So um, there was something I wanted to ask you about the 30%. Let me think about this real quick. Was it a double lung transplant? It wasn't a lung transfer. Yes. Okay. And then did they have to do anything with your heart at that time too, or just you get to keep that?
1: Uh, I kept my heart. Um, and like the surgery that they did was a little bit different than normal. Um, I, I don't know if it was um, experimental, but normally what they do is they saw you down the middle of your chest and they crack you open. And they take your lungs out. Part of the reason I recovered so quickly is what they did is they made an incision across my chest and slid the lungs through my rib cage. Fascinating. Yeah, and they just glued me up when it was all done and said and done. I had glue across my chest. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. So that
1: that was nice because then I didn't have broken bones in my chest. So
0: yeah, you have to worry about that chest plate healing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just really just glued you back together, and then minimal scarring, I guess, too, because it's just like the the glue seals you up pretty tight.
1: Right. Yeah, you've actually got to look kind of hard to to see the scars. If you're just not, if you weren't really paying attention, you wouldn't even see.
0: Right. That's pretty awesome. I mean and then even better for you for like the quick recovery, you know, like right that's that's one of the, the biggest issues is like all right, let's say they broke your chest open, you'd have to see, sit and hang out and like essentially baby yourself to heal that sternum, right? Cuz like the bones don't heal that fast. Like they take months and months and months to heal. And therefore, you're not going to be able to breathe the same cuz you can't move your chest the same if it's trying to heal. And I mean when I, I broke my shoulder uh the end of 2019, I have Sixteen screws in there, and two plates, and I broke my collarbone and my uh, shoulder blade, and it was awful because like I had to be in a sling, which then pushes against your lungs, so then I I couldn't breathe, and my lung function went down, and it was you know four months of just being in a position like this, let alone imagining what it would be like to get a, a double lung transplant with your sternum cut open and healed back together, you know, like so at least you were able to get without sounding it's not sounding stupid, like the, the easy way out with that, right? You weren't yeah. you weren't cut in half.
1: Yeah, no, it, I was I was lucky for sure.
0: Hell yeah, definitely. So that was 11 years ago. And then your lung function has improved since then. And then where are you at now?
1: Well, yeah, really like within three, three months of transplant, my lung function was in the 90s. Like it was, you know, like, like I was a normal person.
0: Yeah, probably better you felt in years.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And as time's gone down by... Um, it went down to 80s, 70s. Um, and the last time I checked, I had it checked. I and I I haven't been going to the hospital because of COVID. Like I everything's this is this is the same way I do a doctor's appointment now.
0: Yeah, all in Zoom.
1: Yeah, Zoom or whatnot. So I haven't checked my um function, probably about nine months. And the last time I checked, it was it was in the low sixties. Yeah, so like when I'm at altitude and I'm hiking, I definitely get winded, but I, I can improve it. It, it. it will improve because I, and when I was um, sick in September, that really hit it. I think I was in the 40s, yeah. not in the 40s. And they really didn't know why I was sick. I, I think it was um, fungal. So they've been treating me with um, antifungal stuff for the last yeah. Yeah. six months
0: that's something new that I've recently found out about not for myself yet, but I've been, I'm in a trial where basically I just get a throat culture every six months and they put in a thing and there's, there's some study here at uh, Philadelphia where they're doing fungal testing for CF specifically. um, And they had asked me to be part of the trial. So I usually say no to all the trials of everything my entire life. I say, forget it. I'm not doing it. But this one, I felt like, it was easy enough. Number one, number two, I've come to this point in my life where I've decided to help more people than, than I was previously willing to do. And if this could help other CF patients, then cool, I'm all for it. So that's why I decided to just go with it. And maybe, maybe the nurse caught me on a good day, you know, like she she asked me the day before I've been like, forget it, but she caught me on a good day. So, so yes, I mean, that's, that's a pretty crazy story in general, like double lung transplant and still, you know, being able to hike in high altitude. And that's, that's pretty awesome. That's, That's always the goal is like, continue your life as best as you possibly can, right? Like quality of life is where it's at. If you're going to end up having to take, you know, 40 pills a day and do nebulizers three times a day and all this other stuff we have to do, as long as your quality of life is worth it, then it's worth it still. So what, you know, what's the next, next step for you at this point? You know, you, I saw you got a season pass somewhere. I saw that on Instagram, right? Like that's (laughs) pretty great.
1: I mean, I've, I'm working on, like, on my career. I'm working in, like, I'm, our, I'm in management now, but I'm, I want to be a director, so I, I'm in government. I work, I'm a government accountant. Um, I'm also working on my CPA license, you know, when I'm not out traveling or snowboarding or whatnot. That's when I'm studying. But then, you know, in the summer, to keep active, like, I, I'm probably going to do a lot more mountain biking this year. Last year it was road biking. I still like the road bike, but, but I like mountain biking so you're up in nature and you get to see stuff. Like some of my hobbies, I, I like working on old cars. So I've got an old Dodge pickup that I've been restoring. And I, I, while I was hospitalized, I bought a couple of motorcycles too. Nice. <laughs> so I've been working on these little, little um, motorcycles as well. So
0: yeah. It seems like things are going pretty well, which is great to hear. What would you want to tell your previous self? Like, You know, like growing up with CF sucks and living with CF sucks too, you know, because like as a child, you always have this thought in the back of your head, at least I did of like, you've got a certain amount of time, right? And people don't understand that. And it's difficult to grasp the concept also, but you're forced to do that as, as a CF patient. You're just forced to deal with reality. Um, that the reality is that you might, you might not be able to get to retirement age. You might not be able to get to college age. You might not get to do all these things other people can do, you know, it's a mental mindfuck to like deal with this as an adult, or even as a child, I should say coming into adulthood. But now that you're an adult, what would you be able to say to your previous self? Like when you were at the worst of your worst, what would you want to tell yourself then? I
1: guess I would say that, that, you know, it, it ends up working out,
0: you know, like
1: just, just. Keep on the, the path you're you're going. Um, generally in life, I, I've never been a negative person. Like, you know, I'm not, not prone to depression. Um, I know that when I had to move back to my parents for that year and a half before I got my transplant, I, I started, like, I, was, I still tried to keep positive, you know, and make sure I was laughing and whatnot. I got a little, like, my dad and my mom and dad said that, you know, they could tell that I was getting a little bit depressed. But I held on and just see it through. You're going to be okay. Um, if I could go back to my my five or six year old self, I would tell him: make sure you take your damn pills. I was so bad as a little kid taking enzymes, and I would always have stomach aches. I didn't get stomach blocks till high school, but that was also because I didn't take my pills properly. I know that your 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 stomach issues are completely and way worse than, than mine ever were, but I wish that that either myself at six years old, you know, I, somebody needed to say, Hey, Jason, take your pills. And two things are going to happen. One, you're probably not going to have stomach aches and two, you might grow a little bit, you know, cause you might be absorbing some of those, those yeah. nutrients. But, um, yeah, that as a little kid, that's, that's what I wish somebody would have told me. It's like, Hey, take your pills. Please.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and those are important things for kids to like, if you want a kid to do something, tell them they're going to grow. Period. That's it. You are like <laughs> oh, cool.
1: No, this will be a shrimp. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So yeah, I mean that that was one of the things that I always did. You know, I was really diligent and like very very strict about all of my medications all the time. And it was mostly because of my my parents. Right? They just they didn't force me to do it, but they basically just said, you know, like this is the way it is, and you're not like your other friends. I'm sorry. This is how how it's work and deal with it basically, and. I would be able to tell like the difference of if I didn't take it or if I didn't, and I didn't like the results if I didn't. So it was just easy enough to be like, Oh, all right. Well, this is what we do. Like, like you said, you know, my stomach was always an issue for me. Um, it's always like in the back of my mind of it could be right, right around the corner, you know, like I could get a blockage any day, but thankfully I watch what I eat. And then also tmi laxatives are are great <laughs> take a laxative <laughs> once a month just get rid of all that stuff that's in there blow it out <laughs> and it's blow it out exactly so um but yeah i mean that's that's it's a hell of a thing to have to to live with and you know good for you too to be to be overly positive you know like that's kind of been my motto as well as like just be positive, think positive, you know, your brain feeds your body. And if your brain tells your body that everything's gonna be okay, you're gonna be healthy, you're gonna live forever, whatever, your body believes it. It doesn't, it doesn't have a choice, you know, like the the computer is telling the machine to run. And that's that's how it works.
1: This was the hand that we were dealt, you know, like you gotta play it, or you can fold, you know, and that I, I don't know how much you pay attention to the CF world. Like I I've had I have a couple CF friends, you know, online friends. And I've been in those CF rooms where you've got the half empty and the half full and the ones that are are half empty, they're usually the sickest, you know, because mentally they're not strong. You know, they, you know, they're the victim. It's like, well, you know, if you want to be the victim, then, you know, just generally kind of just lay in bed all day and end up dying way before they should. And then you have the people that then are like, uh, this is just, part of me and I'm gonna
0: do as much as I can with this and you know live my life. Yeah, absolutely. I I purposefully avoided all CF things, really. I just avoid it because of that reason because I've been able to figure out a coping mechanism that works for me, which up until recently was really just denial, quite honestly. It was like, it was like, all right, I take my medication, this is the way my life is, I do everything I have to do. I see my doctors when I have to see them but I, I couldn't even talk about CF to people because I didn't want to deal with it. Like I didn't like, it was part of the coping, right? It's like, this is just denial. I cannot, if I don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Even though I'm doing all the medication, doing everything I need to. So that way I can exist for a longer period of time. So it's kind of like a weird juxtaposition of thinking it doesn't exist, but at the same time, acknowledging that it does. And it worked. I mean, <laughs> um, it worked well for me. Um, but yeah, that's the reason I avoid all that stuff. And like my mom sends me some emails once in a while about like, you know, things that CF Foundation is doing or I just I just delete it. I honestly don't even read it. I'm like, okay, thanks mom. <laughs> delete the yeah. end. Um, and she's asking me, she's like, do you read that stuff? Nope, sure don't. Like you said, that's the exact reason why. Like, I don't want to have what those people have in their brain put into my brain. You know, like those glass empty people. I'm like, I just don't want it. You know, and that's why I'm happy to see you still doing cool shit, you know, like snowboarding, buying motorcycles, fixing cars, you know, like living your life as best you can and doing what you want to do. You know, like that's that's what it's about, is is doing everything that you can do to the extent you can do it. I mean, if there's anything else you want to say or two or talk about, I mean, I, I hit all the points I got on my, on my plate <laughs> here, but it's up to you, whatever you want. Live live my
1: life, you know, live, yeah. you know just get as much out of it as you can. Um. I guess I can talk about this and it's probably the same for you is like growing up, you hear all these statistics, like, uh, CFers don't live till past 17. And then the, the number changed, like you say, now it's, you know, it's mid, mid thirties or 40 years old. I don't know what the number is. I don't care
0: anymore. Exactly. And we Right. Exactly. At this <laughs> I, point, I don't I care. Lived it, you know, yeah. Like, yeah,
1: when I was young, you know, in high school, you know, I got good grades and, you know, follow the rules and whatnot. And, out of out of high school and I went to junior college and learned how to work on cars and stuff. I knew my time like in my head my time was limited. Like you know like why am I doing all this? Like I need to go have fun before I run out of time. So I kind of shifted and that's why I, I moved to Big Bang. Because I'm like well I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna make any money doing this. I'm gonna get $10 an hour if I'm lucky but I'm gonna be snowboarding you know, and I'm gonna be doing what I want to do. And so I did that as long as I could, and I guess in, when I said you asked about what advice I could give to my myself if I already knew that's why I said do the same thing because you know your time's limited don't don't worry about a 401k don't you know don't just go have fun because you don't know you don't know when when your lungs are just going to say nah, you're done you know and fortunately, I did get the transplant so now I've got the transplant and the statistics post-transplant aren't good. I've already outlived lived those two. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll set I'm here to set records, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, relationship-wise, before transplant, my girlfriends were like, I'd be with a girlfriend for maybe three months, six months, even if I wanted to have a girlfriend, because I didn't want to die on anybody. That was that was the sole reason. I didn't didn't really get in relationships because I didn't want to die on somebody. Yeah.
0: And now I mean, that's- yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a that's a shitty thing to have to think about, you know, it's, it's especially especially as so young, you know, like maybe when you're 70, 60, <laughs> all right, 80. Sure. But when you're in 20 and in your teens, like that's a shitty thing to have to think about. It just it, it just isn't right. But, you know, at least you thought about it and, you know, you had the you were a nice enough person to think of other people. Right. Because like you would be dead and it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't care. You're gone. But that other person would have to live with that for the rest of their life. But because you had the, f- the foresight to be like, you know what, I don't want to be the person who leaves this person because I died on them. That's not cool. So you just dump them instead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard them be- you know, before it gets too bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm with you too with the with the you know living living your life, and that's why I was in Big Bear also. You know, like I left here when I was 17. I graduated high school and I said, "See you later." I got better things to do and i barely graduated high school because of a similar reason of like i don't want to be in school i've got too much i've got too much fun to go through and i don't know how long it's going to last so let's just have fun and you know it's been great i've learned a lot of stuff i've had a lot of great experiences um but up until this past year really two years yeah this past year i didn't know how to save money like i just didn't had no idea you know like never planned for retirement no ne- i don't have I still don't have a 401k like I just didn't know how to do it because I didn't, it wasn't an option. It wasn't like, Hey, you're going to retire someday as an old man. So you might as well start saving money for it. Nah, wasn't, wasn't anything that I thought about prior. And the past year was the first year I was like, all right, I'm going to just start saving money and prepare, you know, make up for the past 40 years of not saving money. <laughs> it, it's, it's another thing that regular ass people don't think about, you know, but at the same time, how much fun are they having? Probably not as much as we did.
1: You know, like, I, I talk to people all the time. Like, I, I'm not afraid to share my story. So, like, if I'm on a chairlift or, you know, like, people at work or whatever, I always tell them. And then if they want to dig deeper, you know, and ask me questions, I generally do. And usually when I tell them, like, all the stuff I've done in my life, you know, they're like, I think that, you know, thinking that your time is limited, you, you end up living a couple lifetimes. You know, because you do so much stuff. Like, you know, the only regret I have is I never moved out of state. I was yeah. so afraid to, to let move out of California because California is good to people with C. A. Like when I didn't have a job, and, or I was too sick to work, they took care of me. Like I, I don't have to worry about healthcare. That's like it, when I look at a job, it's it's not like obviously I look at vacation or time off. I look at, you know, money, but health care, if there's no health care or if I got to pay all kinds of money out of my pocket for health care, forget I'm not working there. So, yeah. but that's why I've never left the states, just because, like, I was afraid that I was going to go somewhere else and not have health
0: care. Yeah, no, it's a major, it's a major thought, you know, and, and I've, I've been on Obamacare for as long as it existed. And even before that, it was... I had a job, like a full time job, once, and I got fired in three months, and that was enough. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous, and it was (laughs) enough to, it was enough to get me into Cobra at the time. So like, because I had insurance to the job, and then they fired me, and then I got on Cobra for a year, and that was ridiculously expensive. And once I got off of that, and Obamacare started to like actually work for me, then I was able to get on that, and I've been on it ever since. It's been really good for me. Like I had been rejected previously. And it's been great. So thankfully for that, I haven't had to really figure out how to get a job and work for other people. I've been able to do my own company for a while. So. Right. And,
1: and that that's like one of the biggest things I, when, when they, you know, everybody, not everybody, but 50% of this country was anti-Obamacare. I so, said, look, if you want small businesses to thrive, give them healthcare. They don't have to worry, you know? They get, you're going to have people that normally would just be worker bees or not even work at all. Now they can, you know, go out and work and, and they'll have healthcare and yeah. healthcare is big for people, you know, especially people Absolutely. like us.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree with you there. That's for sure. I, I don't have much else to say, you know, like, I think this has been a really good, a good conversation. I appreciate you volunteering, you know, for this like social experiment that I'm doing really. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully, more awesome snow days for you in the future, and maybe next year I can get to Tahoe and we can ride together. That'd be pretty cool.
1: That'd be cool. I yeah, I do yeah. have a place now. Like, my buddy's got a condo, man. You can get out there, or we can meet in the middle somewhere.
0: Yeah, doesn't matter. In the <laughs> There's not much in the middle.
1: <laughs> well, a little bit. I'm talking Rocky Mountains.
0: Yeah, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more toward your side.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> Utah's on my list for next season. I would meet you in Utah for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's it's an awesome place. Yeah, let's do it! Thank you so much for 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 doing this. You know, keep up the good work and rock and roll, man. I, I appreciate you so. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and just uh, keep me posted on this, that way I can uh, you know let my friends know uh, about this going on. So, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. And if you know anybody else who fits the bill to talk about what they have going on and if they had unusual life stories, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That sounds
0: good, Josh. Cool, man. Thanks, Jason. Continue, buddy. It's in you. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. So thanks again to my buddy Jason Shields for coming on here and talking about his life experience living with cystic fibrosis. Can you imagine going through the mental anguish of preparing yourself for a double lung transplant only to wake up without having the surgery? I mean, at least the physician was aware enough and smart enough to realize that the lungs were damaged and it wouldn't have benefited him in any way. But then having to wait and be at like a 13% lung function before you get your next transplant opportunity. I mean, that's crazy. 13%. That's like the quarter of one lung. Everything else isn't working. Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad he's still here. I'm glad he's my friend. I'm glad to call him a friend. And I'm looking forward to hopefully snowboarding with him. So thanks again, Jason. Hey, if you or anybody you know wants to be on the podcast and you think that your story can help other people, reach out to me. Let me know. Overcomingtheodds.co hit the contact button and send me an email. All right, be well, be good to each other. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by GamingVPN. If you don't have a VPN, you should definitely download GamingVPN for, well, gaming and streaming. Stay secure online all the time. It's only available on iOS. Go to gamingvpn.tech. This has been a Robot Mouse production. If you like what you heard, please give me a five-star rating. And tell your friends about the show. All right, have a great day.